Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready, here, ready, here, ready, here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you to Ryan Treasure, my co-producer on the show at Voice America Radio. Happy to be here. We have a very, very interesting topic and we have a packed house. I've got a panel of five. Wait till you hear their insights, their brilliances, their savvy comments on our topic. And let me just get started here with a buzz quote that'll set us up nicely, then a little monologue, and then I'll ask my specialists on the show to please introduce themselves. So what's the buzz? I have an article from hbr.org. Actually, this was from August of this year. And here's the quote, in the unknowable future, all leaders will need to be entrepreneurs. That's the key word, kids, write it down. Visionaries that can imagine, adapt, and act nimbly to address whatever challenges come their way. August 2020, hbr.org. Now, what are we talking about today? With global businesses impacted by a co- COVID-19, we all know, and other disruptions, companies that manage to survive are looking at their future workforce through what I'll call a new lens, a fresh lens. They don't want people are going to do status quo. Yeah, I'll do my job. I'll clock in. I'll sit there. I'll do what you asked me to do and I'll go home. No, they're looking for creative, innovative, entrepreneurial, but collaborative problem solvers. They want self-starters, but people who will play with the team. They want people who can turn obstacles, and there are so many in the business world, into positive results. But where do you find these people? Well, you might look at school. Elementary schools, maybe not that much, but how about middle schools, high schools, and colleges? There is a very interesting organization called Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, fondly called Nifty, N-F-T-E, that started in 1987, based in New York City. I'm a New Yorker, so hello to Nifty. I wish I knew you when I was there. Nifty has taught project-based entrepreneurship, and we're going to find out what that is, to more than 500,000 under-resourced students. Read between the lines. They have programs now in 18 U.S. states and 10 countries. I think we can safely say the world has embraced this. But will these graduates be taught, be trained, be positioned, be in the, in the mindset to snag the top jobs in businesses in the coming years? Will they start their own businesses? Wait till you hear who's on the panel. We have Dr. J.D. LaRock. He'll introduce himself in a moment. We have Kyle Garman, who's been on with me so long. I think you got to become a co-host at some point. No, don't even go there, Kyle. We have Dr. Karina Edmonds. She's newcomer to the show. Welcome. We have Srinivas Raptadu. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Srini, welcome. And Dr. Malcolm Whitfield has been on with me before. We're going to ask them to peer into the future. Mm, through that lens and share their insights. Our topic today is back to school, the future of the entrepreneurial mindset and technology. And another word for this, another way of looking at this topic is back to school, the entrepreneurial mindset hits the books. So welcome to my panelists. Welcome to our wonderful audience around the world. There are so many of you and I know you're eager to hear the brilliance. I'm just going to say they're all brilliant. J.D. LaRock, you're up first. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself and telling the world who you are, a little bit about Nifty, but we're more interested in who you are. JD, welcome. 
Thank you, Bonnie. Great to be with you. Thanks for having us. And I'm delighted to tell you that, in fact, today, Nifty works in 25 U.S. states and 12 countries around the world. And since our founding in 1987, we've served more than 1.1 million young people, helping them to start businesses and become entrepreneurs. And many of them are still entrepreneurs today. So thank you for teeing up this important topic. As for me, I've been the CEO of Nifty for about a year. I hail from New York too, but currently Mm. reside in Massachusetts. And I've made my career mostly as a professor and a policymaker, uh, working at Northeastern University and serving such leaders as Senator Edward Kennedy and Governor Deval Patrick, and most recently Governor Charlie Baker in Massachusetts. Uh, Through those roles, I saw the power of entrepreneurship education. And that's why I have been uh, so excited to lead this global nonprofit organization, which is really changing lives and changing economies and changing opportunities, particularly for young people in under-resourced communities, uh, so that they can become the diverse entrepreneurs that will build their futures and our country's future. J.D., nice to meet you. There's so many wonderful things in what you mentioned, your bio, your background, and about Nifty, and we're looking forward to your words of wisdom. Thank you. Let's go around the table. One stop, Kyle Garman. Seriously, we have to stop meeting this way. Is this your third show with me in three weeks? Really, I, I Kyle? think that's about right, Bonnie. It is becoming a pattern, but you know what? We're having so much fun, and let's, let's, let's keep it going. So. We are. So, Kyle, in case there were 3.4 people in the world who don't remember who you are from last time, talk to them. Go ahead. So, so uh, yeah, so Kyle Garman um, is currently Senior Vice President of Global Business Development at SAP, the third largest software company in the world. I actually got my start in startups. I did a couple of um, startups before I joined SAP. And I always had this sense that I learned so much in those startups about how to think entrepreneurially. And I've made my career really in software in applying entrepreneurial thinking in a bigger company. Meanwhile, I joined the board of directors with JD uh, for the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship and very involved for the last five years. And I've seen how this project-based entrepreneurship education methodology really triggers this entrepreneurial mindset, activates the entrepreneurial mindset in young people, and helps them with whatever direction they go in the future, whether it's a big company, small company, public sector, private sector. So I've become a huge believer, in fact, wrote a book most recently, The Entrepreneurial Mindset, Preparing Our Next Generation for the Future of Work, which is available on Amazon and other places. Uh, I guess I sent sent you a copy, signed copy right there. You can see it for those of you who are on video. Um, And so I put this out, number one Amazon bestseller, and it's a topic that I'm really passionate about. So thanks for having me again, Bonnie. Looking forward to further discussion. Kyle, wonderful. Thank you. Now let's go to one of our other newcomers, Karina Edmonds. So happy to meet you. I've read your bio. Very impressive. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Take about two minutes, Karina, and tell us what brings you to this stage in your career and why are you here to talk about this? Karina, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me. Um, Let's see, I've been in this space. Um, Let me start where I am now. I'm currently um, the global head of academies and university alliances at SAP. Um, But before this role, um, I have been involved in entrepreneur activities early on as a a graduate student at Caltech, where I got my PhD in aeronautics, uh, undergrad from University of Rhode Island. And I've worked in the private sector, in academia, and government in this space. I led, uh, I was the first tech transfer coordinator at the Department of Energy. And in that role, I worked with our national labs uh, from the Department of Energy to uh, support entrepreneur activities. How do we get these amazing clean energy technologies out to market? And I did that also while I was a Caltech director for JPL technology transfer. And so, uh, as, as you mentioned, opening, we need students that are willing to learn. The, the new is um, you need to learn to learn. I get 
uh, questions from students all the time. What do, what should I focus on? What does the future hold? And none of us know that. We don't have a crystal ball, but what you have to be ready to do is learn. And we're all still learning, as I'm sure um, my, my fellow panelists will agree. Uh, the future is bright and excited to, um, to share some of my knowledge with your audience. Thank you, Karina. Pleasure to have you. Uh, very, as I said, I'm very impressed with your background. You've certainly been around around the country, around the map, and uh, thank you for joining us. Malcolm uh, is up in a second, but Malcolm introduced you to us. So thank you, Dr. Malcolm Whitfield. Let's go next around the table. We have Srinivas Raptadu. I hope I'm doing your last name justice here. Srinivas, Srini, he said I can call him Srini because we're, we're instant friends. We've known each other for yes. 14 minutes. 14 minutes is friends today. <laughs> Srini, please introduce yourself. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Moni, for inviting. And 14 minutes is like uh, 14 years now in the current uh, cyber age. <laughs> so I'll take that as, you know, forever. We know each other forever. Uh, so I'm Srini Raptadu, Managing Partner with SAP Private Equity. As part of this business development role, I manage and build uh, strategic partnerships with private equity firms to help drive their uh, portfolio company's success by using uh, technology as a value driver across their investment lifecycle. So over the last 20 years with SAP and also other companies, including startups, I held uh, several roles in software development, product management strategy and operations. The reason why this topic is uh, close to my heart is uh, as being part of technology landscape, I had to myself upskill and reskill over the last 20 years to overcome several paradigm shifts all the way from advent of internet to dot-com bubble to the recent fourth industrial revolution. So prior to SAP, I was an entrepreneur. So I did uh, start a company just before the dot-com bubble. So the timing was not great, but that experience landed me in a great job with SAP in Germany. So I started a company in India, but I ended up in Germany as a result of my entrepreneurial failure, not a success. So, but within SAP, I feel I never left the, uh, the entrepreneur mindset. And I believe that is what is the reason why I was able to successfully navigate across several business functions within SAP as a leader. I currently uh, actively engage with a lot of uh, startups because I feel like entrepreneurs are the way, way of the future. So I'm part of a, and I'm on the advisory board of a technology startup, which is related to travel. It was great until January, February. And now, as you know, like travel is uh, not really great at this point. So just like what entrepreneurs do, so as part of that, we are trying to repurpose uh, the existing travel platform to see how we can help address the current needs. So entrepreneurship and the technology, these are two topics close to my heart, and I believe uh, that is the way of the future. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you, Srini. Uh, what a panel we've got today. And now let's bring on Dr. Malcolm Woodfield. Malcolm, you were with me a couple of weeks ago on another show as well. So I'll, I'll say very similar to what I said to Kyle, in case there's 3.4 people who don't remember you. Shame on them, Malcolm. So why don't you talk to them and refresh <laughs> them? No, no, there aren't that many. He's, he's negating. Okay. Go ahead, Malcolm. Please reintroduce yourself to my audience. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you. And thank you again for having me on your show. It's, it's great fun and for uh, assembling this amazing panel. Um, more doctors than you can shake a stick at. I'm, I'm trying, I'm wondering what the collective noun is for so many doctors, like a clutch of doctors or whatever. Anyway, ama amazing panel. Um, my name is Malcolm Woodfield. Um, I uh, run the. Um, higher education line of business um, at SAP. I've done this for 23 years. I actually started the practice uh, at SAP. Before that, I was a college professor. And then also, as Srini said, I uh, also participated in the dot-com uh, uh, boom um, uh, for, for three years, uh, and then turned around and actually sold my company to SAP. 
Um, so uh, I made a Faustian bargain uh, with SAP <laughs> and literally sold my soul to them. I think I signed a 500-year contract. So I uh, still got a ways to go on that one. I, I forgot that part of your story. I don't think you told me before. <laughs> Talking about a, a collection of very smart people, I, I'm honored to be in your company, to, I'm saying to all of you, but we're not going to call them a, a herd or a <laughs> bunch or a batch, or shall we say a, uh, shall we say a treasure trove? Do you like that? <laughs> well, a like treasure, treasure trove like of well-educated, highly motive, f- motivated, focused, savvy, insightful thought leaders. Oh, do you like that? Karina's raising her eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the bar is very, very high. You know what? Speaking of entrepreneurship, I have an advertiser on the show today. I'm very proud. Let me do a little little mention to our audience because I think you're all going to get a kick out of who this is. My new sponsor is Monday.com. I don't know if you're aware of them, but let me tell you. Now, listen to all my panel. Put your thinking caps on and think, what if you had been the first person to create an app in the App Store? Think about how exciting that would be, right? Think Srini is nodding. Karina, are you nodding? I guess everybody's nodding. Think about how exciting. Well, imagine developing one of the first apps ever in the App Store. Sounds like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's coming around again. That's what I'm talking about. Monday.com, M-O-N-D-A-Y.com, is an online platform that powers over 100,000 teams' daily work, and they just launched a contest to build apps for their marketplace launch. Everybody put your hands together. Isn't that exciting? Yes, that is exciting. There's an opportunity for entrepreneurial developers. That's how I'm tying it to the topic. So they're giving away prizes that will, they say, blow your mind. Well, I'm telling you, one of the top prizes is a car that starts with T and has five letters in it. And I won't tell you what vowel is the last part. <laughs> if I wasn't an advertiser, and I, I'm a former programmer, um, Karina and JD, I'm called one of the early women in tech because I was coding in COBOL on a zero. Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 in the late 19... I'm not telling you when. I was key punching. Yes. And I was a great COBOL programmer for a whole system in the state of Oregon right out of school. So if I weren't an advertiser, I would enter it myself. I get out my old COBOL book or whatever language and I would do it. So if you want to be one of the first in the Monday's apps marketplace, start building today. Let me tell you a little bit more. You can go to Monday, M-O-N-D-A-Y.com forward slash future, lowercase, F-U-T-U-R-E, which is the code for my show. Let me tell you a little bit more. Monday.com is a work OS operating system that powers teams to run processes, projects, and build custom workflows in one digital workspace. Now, with everybody working remotely, how do you keep track of people, right, JD? How do you keep track of projects? How do you know what's going on? You need one central place. Monday.com is easy to use, flexible, and it's a visual teamwork platform beautifully designed to manage any team, any organization, or any process online. It's big. Monday.com is for teams of any size in any industry to improve coordination between teams and departments. It lets teams move faster and reach their goals, and you can customize your specific workflow. So let me tell you about the challenge now. In the Monday.com's Monday.com Apps Challenge, it's bringing developers around the world together to compete to build apps that can improve the way teams work together on their platform. Whether you're helping marketing, construction, sales, software developers, any industry, anywhere, anywhere. We're looking for impactful, out of the box. Everybody think, right? Entrepreneurial. JD, isn't that out of the box thinking? Karina, out of the box. We're looking for impactful, out of the box, and simply amazing apps to include. And they will even have the opportunity to be featured in the upcoming monday.com marketplace. How exciting is that? So monday.com forward slash F-U-T-U-R-E. There you go. And thank you to our sponsor. And now let's go on with the show. So I'm so happy to have you all here and let's go. This is the part of the show where I've asked my guest to send me a quote 
from a movie or a song, something that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And I'm going to read a little background, very brief, and ask them to explain why they picked the quote. You're going to let audience listen up. we got some really good ones today. So Dr. J.D. Larocque has picked a quote from Elton John from the song Yellow Brick Road. It's the seventh studio album called Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by English singer-songwriter Elton John, first released in 1973. That's before I was programming, J.D., just as a reference, as a double <laughs> LP. And it was originally written in two and a half weeks by his writing partner, his partner in music, music, Bernie Taupin. And Elton John composed most of the music in three days at the Pink Flamingo Hotel in Kingston, Jamaica. And the reason was that the Rolling Stones had just recorded their Goat's Head Soup song in that place, in that hotel. And he wanted to be there. The working title for the song was Vodka and Tonics and Silent Movies Talking Pictures. Here is the quote. I finally decided my future lies Beyond the yellow brick road. That's all I'm going to sing. I don't want to mess it up. JD, rescue me, please. I can't sing anymore. Go ahead, JD. Oh, that was good, Bonnie. I really appreciate that. Well, you you know, I'll tell you why I chose that quote. Um, Well, first off, you're talking to one of the biggest Elton John fans you'll ever find. Yay. Um, But second, I think it really relates to how we think about our learners at Nifty. You know, this concept, um, there's this concept that entrepreneurship is only for um, the likes of Elon Musk and, and, um, and uh, Bill Gates, that it's something that people are born with, the talent to become entrepreneurs or tycoons. It's not something that can be developed. And, uh, and so in that way, that's, the entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs are thought of as being in this magical yellow brick road land. But that's not how we think about it at Nifty. In fact, we think the opposite is true. We think that entrepreneurship can be taught and developed and nurtured. And our program at Nifty is a model that has very uh, concrete components that al- allow people to, young people to develop the entrepreneurial mindset. Our model consists of a really well-articulated curriculum that's delivered typically in classrooms to middle and high schoolers, um, buttressed by a really robust volunteer support model. And I would, I would be remiss if I did not say that many uh, employees of SAP are among the most fabulous volunteers and mentors who work with our Nifty learners. Mm. And then finally, the Nifty experience is capped off by um, a competition sequence that begins at the local level and culminates in a global competition where the finest young entrepreneurs in the nation and around the world compete for real money uh, to, um, to continue to develop their businesses. And so in that sense, entrepreneurship is not some fantasy land, some, um, some innate quality, some yellow brick road. Um, it, is, it is something that is beyond that, as the song says, uh, something that is innate. And we firmly believe that every single young person in America and around the world has within them already all that they need, all the raw material to become the next entrepreneur, to become the next Elon Musk, to become the next Bill Gates, to become the next Oprah. And all they need are the tools um, to be able to bring that out from within themselves. And that's what we feel strongly that the Nifty model does. Thank you, J.D. Beautiful quote. Interesting. You mentioned the word competitive, and that was what my ad was about, right? Competing for an app. Um, Just the whole idea of thinking outside the box. I think you answered the question of what we're trying to answer today on the show is, can entrepreneurship be taught? And is it in the DNA? And your your point of view, J.D. LaRock, is that everybody is born with that opportunity to create something special. And I know the, the mindset 
Kyle, I think, will agree with this, that in K-12, K-12, in, in, at least in the U.S. school system where I come from, we are famous for crushing, squashing, squelching out-of-the-box thinking. And that's been the mode for years. Sit down. I was going to open the show with the old song, School Days, School Days, Dear Old Golden Rule Days, Reading and Writing and Arithmetic, Taught at the Tune of the Hickory Stick. In other words, you do what you're told. You sit down when you're told. You stand up when you're told. You get in line. It was always by height. And I was the second shortest in the class behind Ellen. So I was always behind Ellen. <laughs> and you did what you're told. And, and you, you showed up on time. You did your lesson. And you didn't really think outside the box. And now today, we're seeing a whole different dare to think beyond the yellow brick road. Thank you for the beautiful quote, JD. Before I spend the whole show talking about Elton John, let's move on. Kyle Garman has sent us a quote from Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne in The Matrix, the 1999 American sci-fi action film. And I, I guess everybody knows... Fishburne played Morpheus in the film and in the video game, The Matrix Path of Neo, where he was the only actor to reprise his character's voice. Very, very interesting. It's a dystopian future where humanity is unknowingly trapped inside a simulated reality, The Matrix, created by intelligent machines Ooh, to distract humans while using their bodies as an energy source. I'm scared. Here's the quote Kyle has selected. If real is what you can feel, smell, taste, and see, then real simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. Kyle Garman, help me out. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Uh, nothing at all. No, I'm just kidding. So really, this, this quote from The Matrix, which hopefully we've all seen, one, one of the great all-time you know, sci-fi classics, is, is meant to illustrate how disruptive the technology curve is at this point in human civilization. And if you think about it, you know, Elon Musk has a company, Neuralink. He's already demonstrated live demonstrations of uh, uh, changing the electrical signals from your brain so that you can communicate with your thoughts, telepathy, uh, otherwise known as that. Um, you know, Parkinson's, Michael J. Fox is well known for having actually a brain machine interface in his brain to alter the electrical signals so that he no longer shakes from Parkinson's. So I really, mm. and, and really the, the driver, one of the key drivers of the book that I wrote, and I work very closely with JD on, on, the, on, on, on Nifty and all the proceeds from the book do go to Nifty, but it's, it's really this future of work and how this exponential pace of technology is changing things so dramatically and so radically. And this is really why the entrepreneurial mindset is for everybody. It used to be back in the day that we thought about entrepreneurs as a separate category, but in a world of exponential change, where technology is disrupting things, you constantly have to reinvent yourself, you have to recreate, you have to rethink, you have to reimagine, and that is the entrepreneurial mindset. And so that's why it's this technology curve and the importance of entrepreneurial mindset for everybody, big company, small company, public sector, private sector, it's really for everybody in this world of exponential change. Thank you, Kyle. Fascinating. And, and while you're speaking, I'm thinking, we talk about thinking outside the box. And typically the thought is when you work for a company, think outside the box they put you in when they hired you, right? But um, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, thinking out to outside the box is taking the limits of the shackles off of your own thinking. What do you want to do? What do you yeah. see? What do you vision? Yeah. Right, Malcolm? <clears throat> it's, it's thinking, I've always done it this way, but how else might I do it? Do I dare to envision? Do I dare to dream? Do I dare to be weird or eccentric or come at it from an angle? Not whether anybody else ever thought of it. 
how did I ever think of it? Interesting. It's giving yourself permission. Love the quote so far. Karina Edmonds, you're up next. Karina has picked one of our favorite quotes ever from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1986 American teen comedy film written, co-produced and directed by John Hughes. And I don't know if you know this, Karina, but he wrote the screenplay in less than one week. This takes me back to Bernie Taupin writing The Yellow Brick Road in, in two and a half weeks, I think. Uh, very, very interesting. And here is the quote, by the way, of course, Ferris Bueller was played by Matthew Broderick. And here we go. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Karina, what are we talking about here? Great. Thanks. Well, I'd like to build off Kyle's comment in terms of these disruptive technologies that are moving so quickly. So I think this quote takes on really new meaning since uh, the movie was um, released. I would, uh, I would, you know, I would um, advise. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, things are moving so quickly uh, on both. And now, especially uh, during a global pandemic, right? Uh, uh, seems like time is both moving so slowly, but then very quickly. And then if we pair that up with all the um, technology that's being created and all the dis disruptions that are happening um, currently in our lives, I think that, um, and at the same time that we still all have to sort of bring it in and pull it in and smell the roses. And so um, that's that's kind of where, where I am. And I think a lot of people are sort of in this stage where we're having to, um, reevaluate our priorities and really uh, appreciate right everything that that we have and we have access to especially when um entertainment you know our our normal entertainment venues have been uh on lockdown and now we just kind of enjoy nature and uh you know our environment and so that's that's sort of why this is resonating with me right now thank you karina i really appreciate the quote and it is moving fast and it's almost a it's a dichotomy it's a challenge to our senses isn't it as humans we're we're in this lockdown situation we've had to learn how to rethink who we are how we live with whom we speak um, I wasn't doing radio shows on Zoom for the past <laughs> nine years. Somehow in the beginning of 2020, I said, yeah, let's go to video conferencing. And I call this nuanced radio because I get to see you all think what a treat for me as a host. But my point is we've had to rethink how we relate to people and how we work and how our families function and cohabit spaces and how do we re-envision the spaces we have. You're in a bedroom, a bedroom apartment, you got a couple and you got a kid, maybe an, an older relative in there. How do you multitask? How do you basically do the Ikea on your house to figure out all the little ways you can use all the spaces. I never thought of that before. So thank you. And you know what, Karina, the, the odd thing is it is moving fast, even though we thought it had all come to a standstill, because here we are, November 4th, 2020. And 2020 is thankfully almost over. And on my Monday night radio yeah. show, I tell my listeners on my Monday night radio show, I count down to the end of the year. And I say, if you haven't gotten to a virtual or real liquor store to buy something special to toast the end of this year, get there soon because the shelves are going to be empty any minute now because everybody's going to celebrate. Bye-bye 2020. But I digress. Srini is waiting patiently, I think, for me to read his quote. And Srini has sent us a quote from Eamon Bailey, played by Tom Hanks. We've got some iconic actors and singers on this group today. In, in the quotes, Tom Hanks in the circle. I've never heard of it, Srini. A 2017 techno thriller film. Eamon Bailey, E-A-M-O-N, is the main antagonist in the 2013 book, The Circle, and the film was an adaptation four years later. He is the charismatic CEO of The Circle, 
a perfectionist cult-like technology company ooh, whose products increasingly limit people's privacy. It was Tom Hanks' first role as a villain in his entire film career. Interesting. And here is the quote. Knowing is good, but knowing everything is better. I'm scared, Srini. You got to help me out here. What does this mean to our topic? Absolutely. I have two reasons for this topic. Uh, one is, of course, Tom Hanks is my, one of my favorite actors, and I love the way he did it. And when he said that quote, it's very appealing. On, this, on the other part, if you look at, if you think about the movie, it's all about connecting everyone, every second of their life to create like full transparency. And it may sound like really chilling and creepy, but at the, if you look at what we are doing today as a society, we are communicating that way, right? Based on how we communicate today using social media platforms, uh, apps, and the connected devices like Alexa, we are like 100% connected. But since there is no single company like the Circle, which has a full control of this data end to end, it creates an opportunity for a lot of startups to kind of, you know, start looking, the landscape, business landscape is really open. And that's how I feel that the topic is related to this is because there is no single company controlling it, the landscape is so open that it kind of gives, it kind of gives an opportunity for entrepreneurs to start thinking about creating ideas. And of course, number one is how to address these challenges around privacy and ethics. And also to see kind of how to integrate this information that is scattered across multiple companies and multiple platforms. So you may wonder like why large companies cannot do it. Of course they can do it because they have the resources. But the reality is if you look at uh, large companies, they have a lot of money, but at the end of the day, they don't have time to make it happen overnight. And it is evident from the past decade, if you see like a lot of large companies, startups have been acquired by companies to make it happen. So I believe the next decade or two is going to be the world for entrepreneurs. So it is a great opportunity for entrepreneurs to start thinking about how to understand the new technologies that are coming through and also understand like if everything is going to be connected in this way, there are going to be sufficient challenges and start thinking about creating companies around that and, you know, be acquired by a large company and uh, become a billionaire. So that's how I see this. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. And thank you for introducing me to that. And there have been comparisons. I think you're probably aware of this, Rini, of the circle, which is a six-letter word that ends with L-E. And one of the most famous, shall we say, information collecting and viewing companies in the world that is also six letters that starts that stops with L-E at the end. And they thought it might be a, not an attack, but a, we know who you are and we know what you're doing. Let's leave that on the table. And I'm moving on to <laughs> Malcolm, Dr. Malcolm Wood. I read a lot about these quotes and I think I know more than I'm supposed to. Duh. Okay, <laughs> Malcolm has a, 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 actually it's a one word quote, but he gave me the pre, the couple of words before. It's stated by Mr. McGuire, played by the actor Walter Brook said to Ben Braddock, Dustin Hoffman, oh, I wish he'd come back and do some more movies, in The Graduate, 1967 American romantic comedy drama directed by Mike Nichols, the wonderful Mike Nichols. It tells the story of 21-year-old Ben Braddock by Hoffman, a recent college graduate with no well-defined aim in life. JD, I think that's what Nifty is trying to make sure that they do have a well-defined aim, or at least they think they know where to take aim. Uh, He's seduced by an older woman, so here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. I'm in a singing mood today. <laughs> Anne Bancroft, forgive me. And he falls in love with her daughter, Elaine, played by Catherine Ross. And the preamble to the quote is just one word. And the actual quote is one word. Plastics. Malcolm, what are we talking about here? They were already invented. Talk to me. <laughs> Thank you, Barney. Thank you, Barney. By the way, going back to your earlier point about your, your previous life as a COBOL programmer, 
Um, you know, there's still a need for COVAL programmers. You know, there are a lot of, you know, legacy, what we call legacy systems out there running on COBOL. And I know several people happily living in retirement in Arizona, earning way more money than they ever made in their lives before because, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about new technology, but sometimes we forget that there's a lot of old technology that has to be maintained. Uh, and we leave this kind of trail of old technologies that there's actually a, another industry just living on maintaining <laughs> and keeping all that old technology running. I'm sure there are people repairing Blackberries uh, and, uh, and Kodak uh, cameras as we speak. Um, and that brings me to my quote, uh, you know, uh, the scene here is in um, Benjamin's uh, parents' backyard having a pool party, uh, a kind of a classic American suburban scene from, from the 60s. And um, their neighbor, you know, comes up to Dustin Hoffman with this piece of kind of career advice, right, as you said, right? Uh, one word, plastics. We know now, in retrospect, that, of course, um, uh, that was one not very good career advice, uh, right? Um, and we now know, you know, how much damage that plastics industry uh, actually has done to the planet, and the uh, next generation uh, are going to have to kind of clean that up. Uh, so that's kind of what we bequeath to the next generation is uh, particularly the use of you know single-use plastics uh, dumped in the ocean, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Uh, I think, as, as Karina said, there are, there are quotes that mean something at the time, and then, you know, 20, 30 years later, they mean something quite different. So, to me, this is a, a great example of that, where now you see this advice and you think, well, no, 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 not plastics, anything but plastics, right? Uh, and at the time, it just seemed like a cool thing to do, right? Because everything was moving into the world of, the world of plastic manufacturing. Thank you very much, Malcolm. There's a related joke. It's a little on the dark side, but it was uh, there. Two gentlemen are in the fabric business in New York in the garment district, and the company is not doing well. And they have to decide who's going to jump out the window because they can no longer afford to pay salaries for both. And one says, Bob says, okay, I'll do it. And as he jumps out, he passes the window of the cutting room of their competitor four floors down on his way to the pavement. And he yells back up to Joe and he says, Joe, Cut velvet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, from New York, and we tell a lot, we tell a lot of jokes when I was growing up, and I thought that was very edgy. I don't know how old I was when my mom, mom or dad told me that. Anyway, thank you all for your wonderful quotes. I think we're having a lot of fun because why not, right? So let's go to the predictions part of the show. I think I'm going to probably go to prediction number one from each of you, but if I'm going to go to a different one, I'll let you know in the chat. J.D. Larocque, let's go with your prediction. I'll read it. Take about two minutes explain it you can expand it as you wish if anybody on the panel has anything urgent you want to say to jd after his prediction raise your hand wildly and attract my attention and i will call you otherwise i'll go to a prediction from kyle then one from karina one from Trini, and one from malcolm and let's see how many we can do we've got about 21 minutes left to the show oh my it's a lifetime in live radio jd larock told me the following one of our nifty national competitors this year 2020 will go on to become a multi-billion dollar CEO. OMG, JD, we, wa we want to have drinks with that person. We, we want to get their autograph. <laughs> Can you tell us who it is? <laughs> well, you know, uh, we've, got, we've got a range of choices. And, you know, that may sound like an ostentatious prediction, but I actually think it's a pretty safe prediction, and I'll tell you why. 
Have any of you or has any of your audience gone anywhere around the country and seen a property for sale, um, put up for sale by Compass, the real estate company? No, yeah. Guess, I guess what? Ahead. Guess what? The That's CEO it. of the CEO of Compass is Robert Refkin, um, who got his start in a nifty biz camp, one of the huh. summer camp programs that we run. And from there, he had a fab- fabulous college career, uh, became a White House fellow, worked at Goldman Sachs, and then started Compass, which is a billion-dollar company today. So since we already at Nifty have helped shepherd the careers of a billion-dollar CEO, actually uh, more than one, um, I think it is safe to say that one of our national competitors this year will go on to be the next billion-dollar CEO. Let me tell you very briefly about some of them. Yeah. Our national winner this year, Jose Rodriguez from our New England region, he created a clothing company called Tassium, which has fidget toy infused clothing to help people with ADHD and autism um, be never far away from the fidget toys that they need to help them focus and calm down. It's a very simple product, very simple invention, but a fabulous idea. Now think of all the multi-million dollar and multi-billion dollar clothing companies started by you know, uh, Sean Combs or other, other entrepreneurs you can think of. Will Tassium be the next one? Maybe. Or think of Charlize Leon, um, our runner-up winner from our New, our New York metro uh, region, who created a company called Gifting Bites, which is uh, a mobile app that, um, that allows supermarkets to give away food to people who are in need, reducing food waste and also serving needy populations in a very economically efficient way. Think of the governments that might want to utilize an app like that in the US and around the world so they can spend less on social services while simultaneously helping to serve um, more people in need. Or think of Avi Goyle from our Bay Area region who launched his company GeoGenius. Um, Avi is a winner already. He won the National Geography Bee uh, and he is all into geography, and his his um, his website, a subscription service, um, pairs people who have an avid interest in a geographic region of the world in very highly personalized ways, so that they can connect online and in real life um, to places around the world that really resonate with them. Think of COVID times that we're in, mm-hmm. and how a website like that um, allows people to be transported even if they're staying at home. So I don't need to go very far beyond our three top winners to make a firm prediction that, you know, somewhere, somewhere, uh, someone among our nifty cohort is going to be um, uh, a fantastic CEO. Uh, many of our learners launch their companies coming right out of the nifty program. Mm-hmm. They're business owners already. And so, again, my prediction may sound ostentatious, ostentatious, but I think it's actually a fairly conservative bet. Not at all. It was a lovely prediction, and I'm glad you took the opportunity. Karina, I'll call you in just a second. I see you. Thank you. Uh, JD, I have a quick question for you. The topic is, can entrepreneurship be taught? And I think in addition to thinking everybody has that option when they're born, you know, the Latin phrase tabula rasa, the brain is wiped clean when we start. Well, I'm not sure. The DNA, what you get from from the people who were born you, basically, where your, where your genes come from. Okay. But my question is, will these people who are these marvelous, very successful, very 
motivated entrepreneurs coming out of Nifty, Dr. J.D. LaRock, well, they want to work for companies. What if, what if an SAP or an EY or a Deloitte or an IBM or a Google wants to say this person, we love what you did. You can go do that on the side, but we want you to come and be a leader on a team in our company. Will they be willing to go inside and bring that spirit? Jay, just a brief answer. What do you think? I think many will for the simple reason that um, many companies have what they call entrepreneurs who are the innovators within their companies. Yeah. And, the, and what we're developing, the entrepreneurial mindset, which Kyle knows all about, is, is what companies today want and need from their employees. So I think the answer is yes. Thank you very much. Karina, talk to me. First, um, I just want to commend JD for the work that he's done and also double down on, on his response that, yeah, many companies, especially those that are innovative, do have a, a space for startups, uh, for people with entrepreneurial mindset. But I just wanted to say to him, like, yeah, I totally agree with this predict. I'm behind this prediction in the fact that I recently heard a quote and I love that Nifty is supporting this in that talent is randomly distributed, but opportunity is not. And I love that they are providing an, an amazing opportunity to underserved communities. And of course, they're going to find a gem. Uh, and so, you know, I just wanted to, to say that and commend, like I said, the work that you're doing and say that your prediction is right on. And thank so, you. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Anybody else? Quick comments? We good? I'm going to segue to prediction number three. <laughs> Kyle and I have been in the chat deciding where we're going to go because I thought one and he said no. And I picked four and he said yes. Now he wants to do three. Kyle, we're playing prediction roulette and that's fine with me, dear. Kyle says the entrepreneurial mindset will become the number one thing enterprises of all shapes and sizes look for when hiring humans. I think humans is the key word here. Our educational system must adapt to focus more on developing that entrepreneurial mindset to prepare people of all ages. You got some good keywords in here, Kyle. People of all ages for the future work of the 21st century. Kyle, why don't you take about two minutes and expand this. Unpack it for me, please. Yeah, you know, I really do uh, believe this. I mean, it's the thesis of, of the book that I wrote, again, with all the proceeds going to Nifty, that the entrepreneurial mindset will be the number one thing that companies hire for in, in a 21st century economy. And the reason is actually really simple that if you think about the one side of the equation, which is sort of the convergent thinking, repetitive tasks and pattern recognition functions, that is the domain of intelligent machines in the future. So anybody that is following directions is likely to be automated at some point. You can debate when and how much and where, but the future ultimately that sort of side of the equation, what I would, what I would some people refer to as the left brain, which is sort of methodical thinking, repetitive tasks, that, that is fundamentally the domain of intelligent machines in, in the future of work. And so all of that work is getting shifted to artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, you know, and other, 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 um, other technologies, robotic process automation, et cetera. But what's, what's left? What's left is this uniquely human sort of right brain capacity, which is the creativity, the innovation, the ability to interact with other people the ability to identify opportunities and, and problem solve with a holistic view that is triangulating data from lots of different uh, sources of information. And these are, the, these are the skills that intelligent machines are very unlikely to be able to automate at the same kind of pace as the other side of the equation, because that's not really the way that machine learning technologies are designed. They're designed to learn and think methodically, but they're not so good 
at contextualizing lots of information. They're not so good at maintaining human relationships and communicating. They're not so good at ideating and identifying new opportunities to create value. And so this is why I believe this paradigm shift where you got intelligent machines taking up a whole chunk of what humans do today. And what's left is the entrepreneurial thinking, the creativity, the innovation, the communication, the collaboration, et cetera. And, and that's really the entrepreneurial mindset. So that's why I believe every company in the world will hire for the entrepreneurial mindset as the number one thing, one, number one thing they look for in the future of work. Thank you, Kyle. Interesting, in your prediction, you mentioned people of all ages prepare people. And we've been talking about young people. We've been focusing on nifty, right? The underserved high school, middle school, and all ages. Do you think I could get an entrepreneurial job in the future, Kyle? <laughs> uh, well, JD can, can share with you. We actually have an offering that is, is available right now, or at least was, was available recently for adult learners, because with all the job disruption, one of the things that JD and the team did a great job of is thinking like an entrepreneur saying, look, you know, 40, 50 million people are out of work and not all of them are going to go back to the job. Most of them are not. And so maybe it's the time to start a new entrepreneurial path, which you're doing with your radio show already. I'm not sure you need it. Bobby. Thank you. Uh, I, 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 was te- I was teasing you. I was teasing you. I, I started this show from absolutely nothing but asking my manager to let me do a thought leadership radio show for SAP. And that was 52 series ago and nine years ago wow. and probably wow. 5,000 guests and 250 live shows a year and wow. 13 current series. And I'm the only one who knows how to do this because I own the whole thing. It's, it's like a, a franchise of me. And, and you're right, Kyle. And what, and I'm going to point this out to the whole panel before I go to Kyle, uh, Malcolm, I'll talk to you for a second. And then Karina, I'll go to your prediction. But what's interesting to me is that uh, Karina and, and mentioned entrepreneur. What do you think I was working for SAP with 90,000 employees? And here I took one radio show and I went out and said, let's do more and more and more and built it and built it and built it and built it and built it. And they let me do it. And I thought, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I get to do what I love. I'm making a living. I have great colleagues. I'm getting to meet some of the smartest people in the world. And I'm doing it while I'm working for one of the biggest, most successful companies in the world. This was the thrill of my career at SAP that they let me create this while I was there. And it's it just, JD, this just makes my heart sing because it, and I know that sounds really corny. I'm in North Carolina now, so maybe that's what people say here. I don't know. New Yorker <laughs> born and bred. Uh, Malcolm, please comment, and then we'll go to Karina's prediction. Malcolm? Yeah, I just thought on, on Kyle's, uh, um, you know, description of the, of the state of robotics right, right now, I think it's absolutely spot on. But I think the next generation will be a little different. Uh, I mean, one of my predictions, and I'll, I'll just preempt that, Bonnie, if you don't mind, uh, is that by 2025, 20% of college courses will be taught by artificial intelligence systems, um, which, uh, you know, based on, on Kyle's description today, it's not really possible. As, as Kyle said, for teaching, for example, you really still need that, that human uh, element. I think, um, you know, in five years' time, we will start to see systems which are truly able to learn and to effectively mimic the interaction between, um, you know, course materials and, uh, and, and students. I mean, I know, J.D., you've thought a lot about this. You know, you've published a, or edited a book on, you know, is, uh, is education ro- robot-proof, uh, right? And I think, you know, as Carl said, today it is. I think tomorrow it will, it will not be. 
Thank you. You jumped the line. I have to go to Karina and Trini. But but I like the way you worked that in, Malcolm. That was very sleek. Very, very slick. I like what you did. He just kind of snuck his prediction. It was prediction number I can four. Do slick. I it can was do prediction slick. prediction number four. I just marked it off, so we won't go to that one. Karina has a very interesting prediction. And there's a word I've never heard. And I wanted to explain the word. The word is crisis unity. C-R-I-S-I-S-T-U-N-I-T-Y. And she says it's the biggest opportunities are born from crisis. A global pandemic creates a huge opportunity. We will have a significant increase in startup activities based on current crisis unity, great opportunities with new challenges. Love the word, Karina. Is this an original Karina Edmonds? Are we going to copyright this for you? Tell me right now. Crisis tunity. Yes. Uh, no, uh, I don't know. I am pretty sure I've probably heard this in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's like, like I said, you know, these challenges create the biggest opportunity. No, and I think it was Churchill who said it right first and best when he said, never waste uh, a crisis, right? Yeah, yeah. So never waste uh, yeah. a good crisis. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think he should get the credit for that for sure. <laughs> but, um, and, and I think that um, those technologies that um, work to bring us together in more meaningful ways, um, you know, th- those opportunities of that human connection that we're all missing, I think. And, and I've seen, you know, some, some bubbling up of activity, but um, I think this is going to, like I said, provide a, a big boost in the number of, of activities and new companies getting created and started because you're creating completely new industries um, that have had to be um, sort of brought up really quickly to deal with the challenges that COVID has presented in terms, whether it's uh, sanitizing, social distancing, right? So um, these, um, the, the plastic screens. And so, but I think, um, and what I would love to, to think is, like I said, I have seen um, some movement in the social media arena of bringing in new apps that are um, more meaningful in terms of human connection versus, you know, having a very broad network of how do we connect with those that are close and dear to our hearts in a meaningful way and at a safe distance. Um, and Too so big. that's that's where I'm going with that. Thank you very much. Crisis Tunity. Srini, talk to me. I love it. Crisis Tunity. I didn't get it, Karina. I got it on the 15th try. Srini, what do you want to say? Go ahead. Yeah, no, the, I, I just want to add a, a line around that since we're talking about the outside box thinkers and the entrepreneurship. I think the kind of crisis is where you differentiate people with outside box thinking versus the status quo, right? When you have a crisis, the status quo mindset, you think about the problems. And when you have out of the box, you think about the solutions. Mm-hmm. I think this is where this crisis, op- I can't pronounce that, but the crisis and opportunity, it kind of, it create. this is why it's very important to have like, not just the youth, but pretty much like a skill set, like across all ages, having that mindset of uh, mm-hmm. out of the box thinking entrepreneur mindset will help you to look at more solutions whenever you hit with a crisis or a problem. And as even like large companies, we always are faced with problems, right? On a day-to-day basis. And that's why this mindset is extremely relevant, both for starting a company and even working in a large company. Thank you. I have two comments for for Karina. And then, Srini, we just have time for, I'm going to go to your prediction, number one, which is interesting. But Karina, number one, I believe Winston Churchill said that when he was trying to form the United Nations after World War II. And the second comment is it brings to mind the the old adage, the old saw, the old chestnut, we used to call them, necessity is the mother of invention. Perhaps 
It could be the father, the sister, the brother, the uncle, the cousin, or the grandchild. Of, <laughs> yes. And by the way, Kyle, people of all ages, you got to include the boomers in that concept. So I'm, I'm not telling anything else. Shrini told me the following prediction number one. We have five minutes left to the end of the show. So Shrini, let's wrap it up with this one. Then I'm going to do a quick shout out again on my sponsor on the apps contest from monday.com. And I'm going to do my call to action at the end. I don't think we'll have time for final predictions, but I think we've covered a lot. Srini said the following, new technologies such as quantum computing, 3D printing, immersive technologies will become critical for businesses across many industries to be successful. Learning to use and master new technologies will equip today's youth, and I'll say today's workforce, let's broaden it from youth, to become well-rounded, well-skilled entrepreneurs that 21st century businesses need and will want to hire. I helped you write that one, I think, because I recognize Thank the words. You. You're welcome. Srini, Srini, go ahead. Go ahead today. <laughs> Two and a half minutes, and then we got to wrap up. Srini, go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we can answer this together. It's a collaboration. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, learning and the future of work is a moving target all the time, right? So, the technology should change. But the only difference is the pace of innovation. I mean, I myself, like, over the last 20 years, I have seen like there has been like several changes over the technology, but we all had sufficient time to react to the change and bring it to the mainstream. But what has happened in the last few years and what's happening right now is because of the affordability of the technology companies to reduce the cost of uh, pretty much, if I, if I want to test out a 3D printer, I can buy for $100 now, and then I can give it to my kindergarten kid. So it's not, so you can like kind of the adapt. It is very easy to experiment with all these things. So a lot of, what they were trying to do is, though these are like great technologies like quantum computing, 3D printing and immersive technologies, VR, AR and gamification, the cost is reducing. So which means the accessibility is increasing. So more and more companies are looking at, okay, how do we incorporate these technologies? But large, but every business has their core business to focus on. And so they are looking from outside in, right? So it's not possible to have R&D only inside because that has been the tradition. Mm -hmm. Now, R&D is not just about in-house, but it's a collaboration and joining hands with the external forces. And most, when we talk about external forces, this is the workforce, which are like combination of startups, entrepreneurs, and also other companies. The biggest opportunity is for the current workforce to start thinking about what is ahead of us, right? And get ahead of, instead of like, uh, so if I have a full-time job, I'm going to, of course, focus on my job because I have a day-to-day aspect to take care of it. So I can only take out so much time from my side to learn this quantum computing, immersive technologies, and so on to bring back to the table. But the flexible workforce, they have an opportunity to kind of mm-hmm. learn and be ready so they can be hired into companies and they can collaborate with us. Srini, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to all of you. Five is a packed house. You all behaved extremely well in the sandbox with me. Everybody brought so much. I wish my listeners could see us on video. Maybe one of you will post it when I send it to you. The smiles and the engagement and leaning forward and leaning in because you all care about this topic. I want you to all say thank you to my engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller at Voice America. Everybody say thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. And one last message, monday.com, apps challenge is bringing together gov- developers around the world to compete in, to, in order to build apps that can improve the way teams work together on monday.com, whether it's helping marketing, construction, sales, software developers, real estate, anything in between or outside of that. We're looking for impactful, out-of-the-box, and simply amazing apps to include and feature in the upcoming apps marketplace. This is an exciting competition, Jay. Do you want to tell people about this? Check it out at monday, M-O-N-D-A-Y.com, forward slash future, lowercase F-U-T-U-R-E. And I want to say thank you to my co-producer, Ryan Treasure, 
pleasure. And thank you, J.D. LaRock. You were an inspiration. I'm so honored you took the time to join us. Kyle Garman, come back anytime. Three times in three weeks. We got to, we're making this a habit. Karina Edmonds, I know you're a very busy lady, and you were wonderful on the panel. Thank you so much for joining us. Sharina Voss, Raptadu, you're a last-minute guest, and we are just delighted that you could join us. And Malcolm Woodfield, Dr. Woodfield, thank you so much. Words of wisdom from all of you. And I have some notes from my audience here. Thanks for tuning in to Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. But remember, the future of now didn't happen yet. If somebody tells you the future is already here, you look them right in the eye, right, Karina? And you say, that was yesterday's future. We're working on today's future, and we're going to make it a better one. So all I'll say is be safe, be smart, be savvy, and keep your sanity. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 